0: It's the ish, the 40-ish minutes of hell. Uh, I am John Comey, one of your hosts. Uh, with me, as always, is Mike Murray. Mike, how you doing tonight?
1: Spectacular, unless your license plate is a white plate that has Navy numbers and red letters up top, because uh, there was a wreck about every 30 feet coming home.
0: That's very unfortunate.
1: Well, Thanks. you know... we. When you have a four-syllable state, they get distracted by the pretty lights of the strip, even though it's daytime. You know. Well,
0: speaking of train wrecks, today's the record—the uh, the recruiting episode of uh, of this podcast, and uh, we've got something to talk about. Um, we have a uh, kind of, you know, we're, we're pretty much as far along in recruiting as is meaningful. There's only a handful of three-star recruits left. If that, I think there's like two to four i saw one i i've seen i think i've seen two um but we have basically recruiting is is finished and so this is a good time to start talking about recruiting uh the season that was and start looking toward the future and so the opening question that i have um looks at what i would say are the influential classes the most influential classes like if, if you want to look and, and we, i can give just a really quick overview of the recruiting rankings as of now uh according to uh the general recruiting service by cjvl villanova currently has a top recruiting class uh, with six recruits one five-star, five star five four star they're followed by iowa usc duke gonzaga Indiana, Michigan, UNLV, Wake Forest, and LSU. And those, you know, are, are probably the best classes by talent, you know, in, in terms relative to uh, their star ranking. Uh, but when we're talking about influential classes, I want to talk about the classes that will impact this season the most uh, and give teams the best chance to contend for a national championship so i thought maybe we could go we can either go back and forth or pick you know um i have it at three as what we think are the three uh most influential classes for this year but uh it doesn't matter if we go back and forth or, or just pick all three at once uh mike what do you think um who do you think are the most influential classes this year
1: um depends on how you want to look at it i mean As I spoke about in the chat earlier, if you're UNLV and you pull in more talent than the entire rest of your conference, you're going to have an easier road than you even had last year. And there's also schools who kicked way above their... uh, Let's say if you weren't the 20-win mark last year, but you pulled in one of these top classes like in Indiana or North Carolina State, two teams who need the talent back in, or even LSU, Three teams that came on with, I think, human-controlled owners late last year. I think LSU turned from a team who had maybe five wins in the SEC to almost doing damage in the tournament. So those are three of the ones that just come off the top of my mind. Okay.
0: Um, I want to bring up – I'm going to go kind of specific into some classes here. Uh, I want to talk about Indiana first so looking at indiana um and i'll, I'll discuss my notes in a minute but they have five seniors returning and one player in Derek bynum who was a surefire lottery pick and return and then they go and they get oh let's see they get demonte Lindsay. Forward center, number 15 in the class. He's a five-star. They get Kavon Capel, shooting guard. He's number 49 in the class. They got another shooting guard who was 104th in this class. Uh, they got maybe my favorite name, especially for a point guard in this class. They got Daniel Maddock, uh, who is uh, ranked 203rd uh, in this class, if memory serves. i like, go uh, pull that back up. I'll make sure I have a typo there. Um and then they got Kyle Anton, who's a three-star, ranked 261st in the class. And why I say that this is a, an influential class, they already had a lot coming back. Um, they have a point guard. They have a four-year starting point guard in Malik Harris. Then they got Bynum. Uh, they were already pretty well set in the post uh, with Kashawn Thompson and Howard Miller. They have Rodney Collins coming back, uh, and they have Tyler Tolkstorff. But if you add these players, if you add Lindsay and, and Capel and Shannon and, and Matic and, and Anton to this class, Indiana becomes a national title contender. Uh, they already have the talent. They have they have the, the you know the basis for already a team that could contend in the Big Ten. Um, but when you have a senior point guard who has had success, when you have the the singular talent with Bynum. And now with Lindsay and Capel, and then you have all the surrounding parts. I mean, this becomes an extremely good team. Um, they they had issues at both guard spots in terms of they needed a shooting guard and they needed a backup uh, for Harris, and they got it. Um, so I, to me, you know, I would have Indiana as as maybe the the third best class. Um, because of the impact that this class is going to have on their team and then on the nation, uh, what would you talk? What would you say about Indiana's class? Like, would you agree, or do you do you see it differently?
1: Um, I think a lot of it will come down to um, whether they can gel or not. Because don't get me wrong, you returned a lot of talent. You returned four guys who are four and a half stars last year, which is second most in the Big Ten. But at the same time, you finished ninth last year. So I think it's a question of – so they have the two centers, even though one plays center power forward, and then they had two small forwards returning. And they lost a lot of talent. They had four guys drafted last year.
0: So Bynum played power forward last year. So it's a question of whether or not he will move back to – if he'll become a small forward for them or if he'll stay at the four.
1: Well, you can move Thompson to the four, Miller at the five, Bynum at the three. Harris at your guard and play one of the freshmen at the shooting guard position. But there's so much talent in the big 10 that I don't think I can lock them down to be like, they're going to be an elite 18.
0: Well, I think at least with with this, with this show, we, we always talk about things in terms of like this, the sweet 16 and that that's a team that uh, I think you know Harris continues to grow. Like yeah, he only shot thirty-seven percent from the field last year. But again, I, I have I have faith in in senior point guards um, that that they can do the job. And and Bynum I think is ready to make a leap. Um, you know, like I said, he had the talent last year to where I think he was going to become a uh, a major a major player. Um, at the next level, you know, within time, but. Um, but I think he was a lottery pick. And so you, you have that talent. Um, I think Indiana is ready to make the leap. Now, granted, as I say that there are, there are at least two other programs in the big 10 who, who had stellar classes. I mean, Minnesota got four players in the top 100, which is absurd.
1: Um, well, and even Iowa, Iowa got four five four five, four stars and a three star.
0: Okay, well, let, let's talk about Iowa. I guess I guess we're starting here with, with the Big Ten. Let's talk about Iowa. Um, Iowa has the second ranked class in the nation. Uh, I don't see it. I, I see it on paper, but here here's why I don't see it for for the program. So their top returnees, uh, they have Joel Harrington, uh, Luca Graham, and Bryce Randolph. All three are power, All three are forwards. Uh, two of them are power forwards. Graham's a small forward. Their recruiting class has center Ray Herbert, who's a 33rd ranked recruit, four star; uh, small forward Rashad Clements, who is the 89th ranked recruit, as a four star; uh, Chris Whitley, who is a center power forward, four star, 106 ranked recruit; Shannon Doherty, uh, another center power forward. Four-star, 116th-ranked player in the class. Another small forward, Darius East, a four-star, 131st-ranked recruit in the class. And then point guard Justin Edmead, who is a three-star, 227th player ranked in the class. So Edmead is their only point guard on the roster. They have now, um, they already they have five players: the four and the five. Um, East probably won't supplant Graham though. Graham might be able to play the two. Like I'm not, I'm not exactly sure there. Um, and my notes here, are the class gives them talent, but it doesn't give them contention status this year. Unless you know these kids go in and bump the big guys to, or the, the old heads to, to reserve status at which point, how talented are they? Um, but I, for, for, Iowa, with this class, like to me, it's all sizzle and no steak.
1: Well, it could be also a case of just getting the building blocks now. I mean, if you look at the recruiting rankings or roster rankings that we did in the background, they could be anywhere from fourth to seventh in the Big Ten this year.
0: Yeah, but they went 24-8 and last year. I mean, I would say that they've already had the building blocks, and and they had holes. They don't have – you know, again, I state it. Mead is their only ball handler on the roster. He's he's the only one. They don't have another one. Um, they're, they're shooting guards who are Cameron Herrick and um, they have Sean Foreman who's a combo wing and, and uh, Marion Clark. Marion Clark, and and just to, you know, if we want to look at the the guide, the star guide, so to speak, he's a half-star college player. Um.
1: So you're it, telling it, me that's not good,
0: right? Uh, it's probably not great. Damn it. Um, he played in one game, 2.4 minutes. He did shoot 50% from the field in scoring his two points. Um, Herrick started in two games. He played 10 minutes off the bench. He did shoot 46% uh, from the field, 47% from three. So there, there is some promise there. But, again, they are, they are woefully thin at the guard spot and in a, in a conference as deep as the Big Ten, you can't afford that. And Edne being a three star, I mean, even if he outperforms his rank, which is obviously possible, it's just not it's not something that I look at and, and say that this is this is the second best class in the nation. Like that that's that's how I look that's my take. Because, again, I'm looking at it more through, through that lens of how does it affect the team going forward, and it really doesn't do the team any favors this year.
1: Well, no, but that's why I said in the building blocks process. I mean, they may be at a point to where they didn't think they are going to do that much this year. Just find your best talent and then go for the guards next year.
0: It's, Which, it's possible, but it, it's an imbalance, and it's it could very well hurt the program long-term because if they if they have a bad year because they have point guards, they might – not be as attractive to, uh, to you know, recruits going forward.
1: Well, but they're not going to be that Nebraska-Northwestern ranked 300 type team. They're still going to be, at worst, probably 50th best team in the nation, which I think is good enough if you look at the recruiting classes this year where some people, like I said, the Indianas who had a bad record, the NC States, they're teams who out-recruited their levels easily this year. Illinois ends up 23rd in the nation. And Maybe. last year, they were, what, barely 500? Yeah.
0: Well, you're, you know, when you recruit two players and one of them is the 3rd rank recruit in the nation, I mean, that, that's an easy way to get ranked higher.
1: Hey, shoot for the stars.
0: You know, it, it's essentially the strength of schedule argument that I, I've heard recently where you play, you know, the 10th-ranked team in the nation and, and the 100th-ranked team in the nation. You know, your strength of schedule is 55th but if you play a 25th ranked team in the nation and you know the the 80th ranked team in the nation you rank behind but you play on average two tougher teams so to me you know that that getting that five star really bumps up illinois i mean they got two recruits like they i don't know i don't know if they had other players I can pull them like if they needed other players. So that's
1: um, off memory. They needed a lot of players.
0: So so then in that rant, well, no, they have thirteen players. So they I just pulled them up here. Um, they're not the most talented team. Uh, they have two players. Um, one of them is a power forward who's a senior. So uh, uh, Denzel Sparks, who is that number three rank recruit, um, will probably step in the Jalen Matthews um shoes next year.
1: Well once again, all their talents small forward, a power forward position.
0: So yeah, yeah, that, that is that is possible. Although with Matthews ranked as a as a power forward first, I would think that um he would um play the play the four. But that's neither here nor there. Um the the Big Ten as we know um Probably the, the biggest battleground outside of maybe the Pac 12, maybe. Um, well, oh, who, who was the toughest conference to recruit in this, this year? Do you think?
1: Um, or which conference,
0: I should say, was that?
1: Uh, of course, I didn't add up that number.
0: Oh, okay. So, I asked you the one thing. So, for those that can't see it, Murray has, as he has with everything, um, he has like he's like the Phil Steele of, of of anything, you know, with all due respect to, to Andrew and his spreadsheets, um, you know, th- these are very stat driven and really give you give you everything. And I ask the one thing he doesn't
1: have. Um I to be honest, it's probably it's the big ten. When I look yeah. at all the classes off memory. The Big Ten, is; they ended up being big winners. I think the ACC had plenty of five-star guys that they went after, but they had a lot of misses too. And um, some conference, there are some conferences that just completely whiffed out there.
0: Or even he, like
1: – Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Or, the, or the SEC to where you look at most of the rosters, I think like five or six teams had 13 players. There was no real recruiting for them this year.
0: So looking at the, the total recruits, um, the Big Ten got six of the 27 five-star. And then four-star, I haven't, I haven't counted them up yet, but 10, 13, 14, 15, 20, 23, it's looking like. I haven't counted up anybody else yet.
1: The ACC um, was deeper than the five-stars. They had eight five-stars. But then again, there are four programs who haven't landed a three-star recruit even. In the ACC. Yeah,
0: and it looks like everybody everybody in the Big Ten, no, I can't say that, but um, 11 teams in the Big Ten got at least a four-star.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it's, it's just the bottom three there struck out on everything, but with the amount of human control teams fighting each other in the Big Ten, for everybody to land at least one four-star, and let me see real quick. The only schools that didn't have at least Two five-star, four-stars are Wisconsin and Penn State.
0: Yeah. so
1: Everyone else got talent.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So that, that's actually going to – you know, that, that we started bringing up the Pac-12. That's going to bring me to my second uh, influential team, which is USC. Um, USC, they have the, the third-ranked – Uh, um, class overall and I would probably put them as the top class overall so what they have coming back they actually have a lot returning um led by center Dontrell Crawley and um, point guard uh, Joaquin Buckley who who um has been on JBL radars for quite some time he took a back seat to Jordan Mack last year which is understandable uh Buckley um might be um I don't want to speak completely out of turn here, but I, I think he rates somewhere as possible um, mid-first to late first-round pick. So I mean, when that you know when you have somebody like Mac, um, yeah, Buckley's probably like a mid for mid to late first, depending on what you're looking for in a point guard. Um, but then they have, I mean, they're loaded. They are loaded. They probably have more talent returning than any team in the nation. Um it's it's close, but I I feel like they are the most talented team running it back, obviously without Mac. Um, and you have I mean you have the roster ranked I say, so you have I would, yeah, you have USC I'll, ranked as the top team in terms of talent returning.
1: USC if they do not win a national title this year, J Ron should feel horrible. I okay. Would so throw it out
0: there. So no no pressure. So no so they have, they have these guys. They have Joshua Jones, Broderick Johnson, Chris McDermott, uh, uh, Yudoka Kabongo, uh, Reed Faiz- uh, Falzon. Um, they have those guys coming back. And actually, they have uh, Kyle Saltis, who is considered a major JBL prospect, though I'm, I'm not sure I see that. And then there's their class. So, their class is center Jalen McDaniel, who's ranked seventh in the nation. Uh, off guard Jordan Luce, who's 40th in the nation. Um, combo post uh, Andrew Ernval, who's 100th in the nation. And then forward, so, uh, small forward Keith Hobbs, who's 119th in the nation. Uh, they get five star, four, uh, three, four star. But again, this is a team that they're already super stacked, and these players coming in. Will complement and push the players that are already there. Lou should start from day one, and uh, Falzon may move to the three. So I, I said you're looking at Crawley Jones, Falzon, Luc, Buckley as you're starting five, or um, McDaniel may may start for Crawley, And uh, either one of those two I mean you're looking at um, you know one of the best center rotations in the nation already. And so USC is an early heavy favorite uh, to reach the Final Four and contend for a national ch- national title. Um, and so, to me, they have the most influential class in the nation. I know that Arizona um, on your sheet, and I got to pull that back up. They got
1: a five-star recruit and two three stars.
0: Yeah, I mean, they got the number one recruit in the nation, and they have talent coming back and this and that. But no, this is. This is about USC this year.
1: Well, USC, if you look at combined four stars and five stars, they have 12 players at that status. Last I checked, you can only play five. The only way J-Ron can screw this up is by experimenting too much, trying to find the right combination.
0: He might try and trade a couple players?
1: Uh, He would probably try to trade, except he would be out of first-round picks like normal.
0: Yeah, and then you know the the violations would come in, and it just it wouldn't be good for him. But his um,
1: payroll is way above one hundred and twenty this year with this USC team.
0: Yeah, so looking just at the at the rankings from the general CJBL guide, uh, it's looking like USC, and then, and then Washington and Washington's class is one we have to talk about. Um, their class is. Uh, rather amazing um you know they got four four stars uh all within the top 108 we'll talk to them in just a second or about them in just a second but they have the second best class in the in the conference ranked 18th nationally and i would push it higher oregon's is 20th uh they are third in the conference according to this and then stanford and then arizona um, all within the top 32, but Arizona is really ballooned by having the top overall recruit in uh, Savell. Um, do you think Arizona, I don't want to say whiffing, they didn't, they didn't whiff on, on the other guys, um, but they really didn't like, you know, that their two stars are ranked 293rd and 350th. They're both. Um, guards. One is a um, uh, Charlie Oliver, who um, I and they have Scucci, um who uh, I really wanted just for the name. Um, and I do remember being off of Charlie Oliver because um, he just didn't look good. He just
1: didn't. Uh, but it has to be a whiff when you consider Arizona. The probably the biggest thing they needed this year was going to be point guard. And they got a shooting guard, basically a small forward, and a center. Yeah,
0: I mean that—that's that. This is in terms of of national um, recruiting losers. Arizona might be the top one, which is amazing considering they got the number one recruit. But looking at if it wants to bring it up, um, I mean they do have. And uh, Dedrick uh, Bennett, at point guard, who's a senior point guard, um, who does look pretty good, but, again, he he was a bit player last year.
1: But you know what's surprising? Just look at the Pac-12 real quick. Only three five-star guys landed in a conference.
0: Which is surprising.
1: And um, Oregon is one of the schools who scored one, the 10th-place team last year in the pac 12
0: yeah, Oregon, Oregon did pretty well. I mean, granted, the class did well overall. I mean, only out of the conference, only Cal didn't get at least a four-star. They got 3 well, three-star.
1: And UCLA is debatable. They got their one four-star guy. But in a conference that's this deep, you're going to have to get more than one four-star guy every year.
0: I'm looking at only the participation credit with four-stars, and they got, they got one. So they're in. Only Cal did not get one. Um, Oregon State only landed 1-2, but they got a 4-star. I mean, they did better than, than Cal if you want to look at it in those terms.
1: Well, but you have to um, look at it like this. If you had Oregon or UCLA on a piece of paper, you had one who finished 4th last year in the Pac-12, one who finished 10th. Oregon's probably going to finish higher than UCLA this year in standings.
0: That, that's entirely possible.
1: And that for, that for being UCLA, I, that's got to be disappointment.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, let's talk about Washington's class before we move to the defending champs. So Washington's class, um, they got the number 51 recruit in the nation, Sidney Lopez, who's a, uh, a point guard. Um, I'm trying to up their roster now. So give me just one second. But they got
1: um, – Well, I got the recruits in. They got the 51st in uh, Sidney Lopez – they had Darryl Miles at 62 and Josh Hardy at 88. Anytime your program who finished in the bottom half of the conference the year before, and you can bring in three top 88 talents, that's automatically going to be probably three starters on the squad that you're going to have. Yeah, I mean,
0: well, Lopez is going to start from day one at, at the point. He's going to start. Um, it's debatable. Mills probably will be your, will be the shooting guard most likely.
1: And even bar at 108. I mean, okay, you got the number 108 guy. It's not like you're getting the worst thing there. No,
0: I mean, they do have, uh, who was that? Garrison Patton, who, what did he do last year? He did, he, he is, um, he did start all 33 last year. Um, so, I mean, you're at least, you have a veteran there. Uh, to play. And he actually was their second leading score last year, 12.3 points per game. So so they do have a proven commodity in Patton. Um, but Barr can come in and and at least uh, learn the ropes and, and be a solid sub this year. So we are adding there. But Lopez and Hardy are huge additions uh, for for this team because they really lacked uh, – they had uh, Eddie Drew as, as their only point guard on the roster. And Drew – um, I don't see him even having a statistic last year. Maybe he was a transfer.
1: Uh, that, yeah, Washington did get, did get some transfers in, but let's just look at basics. Even if you look at just star uh, yeah, he
0: he was a transfer from Villanova who only played eleven games. Um, so yeah, that there's going to be some some new stuff at the point guard position, but but Lopez and Hardy are already I think they are already elevated that that position before they even step on campus.
1: Or you can even look at it like this. Washington's has more four-star plus talent than Arizona does this year.
0: Yeah. And if you want to look at positional rankings, uh, Lopez comes in as the fifth-ranked point guard in the class. Is that true? He's the fifth-ranked point guard? Yeah, I guess so. Um, Mills and Hardy uh, are 10th. Mills is 10th at, at, I guess, small forward slash shooting guard. I don't know if that actually comes in as – um the combo or not.
1: Well either um, way it's good.
0: Yeah. And and uh, Hardy's the 10th best point guard in the class and and is the 30th best um post in the class. So so they did pretty well to get the guys that they got. Um, so let's talk about Stanford's class for the defending champs because you have to talk about the defending champs. You know you don't want don't want to ignore the defending champs. Um, they pulled in three four star, and there they are, uh, three four star led by the twenty eighth ranked recruit. And it's like um, to me, I mean that's, I mean granted it's a four star, but to me it's like a four and a half because I, mean, I was to say
1: it doesn't matter if you're twenty eighth, you're okay, you're a coin flip away from being the five star.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're somebody's good mood away from being a
1: five-star. You're a top five in your position. That's good enough.
0: Yeah, and they got, uh, if we want to look at positions, they got the number five uh, center, Jason Thorne, uh, from Washington. So that they, they went into Washington and got a kid from, from you know Washington's own backyard. Uh, and then they got point guard, uh, the shot handle. Uh, from Texas he's the 13th ranked shooting guard in the class 53 overall and then uh, Willie Heidegger who is a combo forward 81st in the class 11th overall at his position Uh, looking at their team um, they already have a a top point guard in uh, Jabril Stacy he's a uh, starter I'm sorry a senior uh, who did he start last year yeah he started last year, um, and then they have they have three like four and a half star players, and then another four four star type players. Um, who and they're they're well rounded across the board, so they're adding to an already deep team. Um, I don't know if this is a national title contender yet. Uh, the way you kind of know it with USC, or you kind of believe it with USC. Um, but how do you think Stanford did compared to the um, the expectations of being a national champion?
1: Well, let's be honest. The biggest worry is who's going to replace the MVP. You got Cameron Kroom coming in as a uh, fourth-year senior, or you are going to start the freshman at the big spot, which Jason Thorne, he's 6'9". I'm not sure it's big enough at 218 to play the five. So I don't know if they're going to have the same abilities that they did last year with Mr. Swain.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, but with Swain, I mean, he was such a, a, an interesting, unique talent that it was kind of I mean, – it's hard to duplicate what he was bringing. Um, that you weren't – you're going to be hard-pressed to find that in this class because you're going to be hard-pressed to find it in any class.
1: Oh, um, yeah, but, but, they have a, but they have a lot of senior talent. I mean, between Kroom and – I don't know how to say his name – Savoric um at the four or five
0: yeah um i would say saravich
1: all right we'll go with that
0: so and and looking back on stacy he is a three-year starter at the point so again i it, that's just something that i look at is very valuable and he, being a three-year starter um i think that that's going to benefit stanford in a big way um but their class, their class doesn't, doesn't hurt them at, at all. And, and Hanal um, should start from day one, I would think, um, because they don't really have a, a true shooting guard on the roster. Um, Tyler Lott was their shooting guard last year, and he was a senior, if I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, either way, he's not, he's not there now. Yeah, he was a, um, he was a starter. So he is gone. He was only a five ten starter. He was a fi- there the, the national champions shooting guard, starting shooting guard, played all thirty-two games, was a five ten kid.
1: Well what when you have you know? a well, when you have a seven foot four monster in the center, I'm pretty sure that's how they carry their national no, title. Well,
0: no, okay, so he's 5'10, 194. Um he shot forty four percent from the field and forty seven percent from three on five, on over five attempts a game.
1: Once again, everybody's looking at the forest in the center. Nobody's looking at all the people at the outside.
0: I mean, he, you know, he had a, a three-to-one turnover or assist-to-turnover ratio. He averaged three rebounds a game as a, uh, and, and evenly distributed between offense and defense. Like Tyler Lott, man, that, that's as glue a guy as you can get. Size doesn't matter in the CJBL.
1: That's um, what she said. Well,
0: I mean, you know, that, that's what she wants. Uh, um, you know. um, All right. Is there anybody else in the in the Pac-12 that that stood out to you as as interesting, either good or bad? I mean, we hit Arizona, we hit Stanford, USC. Oh
1: no, we, I think we pretty much hit everybody. I think it'll be like I said, USC's opportunity to run the gamut, but it'll be interesting. I think between Arizona, Stanford, and Washington, trying to figure out who's going to get that two, three, four.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's going to be it, it's it's going to be crowded. Um, but it's going to be a, a fun, crowded. So um, we should say that here at the uh, the ish, we treat Duke like lactose, and that we're very intolerant of it.
1: Duke and, is the greatest team and has the greatest class ever.
0: And so we we need we we have taken some lactate so that we can discuss Duke for a brief moment because. Um, the, Look, it, they, it, they, they aimed
1: high and they got more five-star recruits. I, yeah, they case, case them
0: this whole thing. They case, case them that were, you know, they're always shooting for the moon because then they can, you know, land among the stars or whatever nonsense that was. Um but they did and I guess, you know, I, I was going to say that George Washington was my other influential class, but on in ter- in terms of having a national title contender. I, I, and, and I forget, I think I told Bed that I would be talking about Duke very reluctantly, and I think that you can hear that in my voice.
1: Yeah, you want to know my one problem with Duke? Here's the one problem just I one? have. Yeah, just, just I have one major problem with your Duke. Why are you dumpster diving for 500 ranked recruits? They signed two two-stars. If you don't have enough talent to hold those two scholarships over at Duke, you're running the program wrong.
0: Well, I'll be—I'll be perfectly honest. UConn, uh, you know, I have it on good authority there that that they offered a, a two-star point guard. Well,
1: but team. they're they're a dumpster too, so let's not even get into that. I mean,
0: well, they also only have one point guard on the roster, so they got to find another one.
1: Well, no, but at the same time, Duke had enough talent returning. They had a, there's only two guys who are, if you look at the rankings that are on the reports, that were five-star players returning in the nation. They have one of them. They had four-and-a-half star, two four-stars. You got two five-stars in your class already, a three-star. Why are you digging this deep? Okay,
0: so let, let's just get into the, the details on, on Duke. The returnees for them, uh, Kendrick Drummond, who's a center, uh, point guard Travis Pickford, who I believe uh, is known around JBL circles, uh, Brandon Eichelberger, who is a combo forward, um, or I'm sorry, combo post. I should say power forward RJ Keeley, uh, center Antoine Davis, who, uh, is considered in, in scouting circles, a potential, uh, top five pick in a future JBL draft and then small forward, uh, Tani Sanders, um, gotta wonder if that was a typo on a birth certificate and he should be Tony, but he is Tani, um, their recruiting class, they got Trayvon, Trayvon Easley, uh, the combo wing, who's ranked second in the class overall nationally. They got 25th ranked Nate Dorsey, power forward. They got point guard uh, Nuni Kolawole, who is 198th overall. Every time I looked at this name, I wanted to say Giovanni Diarrhea. Um, uh. Daira, I guess.
1: Isn't it Daria? Wasn't that like a cartoon on MTV? Like this? I think it's
0: Daira. No, it's not Daria. Daria was was D A R I A. This is D I A R R A. I I mean diorama. Whatever. Let's you just
1: want. let's just let's just refer to it like this. Not getting any minutes this year. Well, no. It's, you if know, you if you get to the point where you have to play these two small forwards, you can as, re- Easily over the three, if you're that hurt.
0: Well, they would have they would have Tony Sanders as the backup there if they're playing him at the small forward position. We don't know because they don't have um, a shooting guard. And I don't so
1: care. You They've you got so much talent.
0: Well, I'm saying what I'm saying is when you don't have a shooting guard, well, you need somebody to go play. Easily's going to play the th- going to play the two. Um, and then you have Sanders to play the three. Well, they're not going to play 40 minutes. So maybe, maybe you have Malik Gaines coming off the bench. Maybe you have David Andrews coming off the bench. Maybe. Well, they went and got Diorama and they got Quentin Wiley, who are both small forwards, to potentially be cover. Why they got both of them, why they offered both of them, I'm not sure. I would think they would have offered one and then waited and saw, but they didn't do that.
1: Well, let's be honest. When you have to replace Cole Arnold, which not one JBL team wanted to actually draft a small forward, you might as well replace him with two two two-star forwards.
0: Yeah. Cole Arnold was like – you know how when you have to go do a thing and everybody puts their finger on the nose to say that they're not going to do it and, the last, and, and one person didn't know that that was a thing? That's what Cole Arnold was. I don't even know who drafted him, but that was the person who didn't know that putting the finger on your nose was a thing.
1: And oh, Bed's favorite team drafted him. The Jaguars from Mexico oh, okay. City.
0: Okay, so, so he's in another country. He, he, got, he, he basically got exported out of the country. Uh,
1: Excommunicado.
0: Yeah. So he got over the wall. So the notes I have on Duke, I easily endorse the obviously make this class. And J-Ron is breathing like Darth Vader into the, the thing. So he's got to be muted.
1: That's uh, on you. I don't have control.
0: No, I do. He's, he he can't go on and start waxing about, about USC and, and – no, or maybe Orlando
1: more. Bloom, whatever players he has. Orlando remember. Bloom, he's
0: from the Pirates of the Caribbean, isn't he?
1: Nah, he, isn't that his other shooting guard or point guard or whatever oh, the hell he has up. in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. okay. So easily, and obviously make this class. They should start from day one. And when you have Pickford, Davis, and Drummond, um, Duke and, – and I can tell you that another team within the triangle – um, really wants everybody to believe that Duke are the favorites in the ACC. I don't have an argument against it yet. Um, the one thing I do like about this class, um, they have a pair of lottery candidates in Easley and Davis, but Dorsey could very easily be a lifer at Duke. Um, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have lottery talent per se, even though he was a five-star, I I don't think he's a kid who, who any JBL team is going to be like, yeah, we're taking him ninth overall. Like, I think he's somebody who's going to grow and become more of like, I don't know, a a Bo Anderson type where he gets all that experience and, and grows and then he becomes a commodity in the JBL. But I think he's going to be a lifer. And for somebody, for a team like Duke, like that, that, could be important to have somebody to have that continuity for the next few years. Um, so I think that could be a, be a thing. And then Cole Wally could, could take over the backup point guard spot. Uh, I think he could take over, uh, over uh, Johnny Derrickson, who's the most Duke name I could possibly hear is Johnny Derrickson. Um, so I, I think, I think Duke's class is, is very solid. They're ranked fourth overall. Um, I think, I, to me, they're probably like top seven or eight. I don't know if I would have them fourth. But in terms of what's getting them toward an ACC title, I think this class, for the most part, was it. Um, yeah, that's what I got on Duke.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have to be the favorites right now. Don't get me wrong. The two North Carolina schools are going to be right behind them in North Carolina and NC State. Um, one class I'm really worried about in the ACC is Wake Forest. You look at it and you say, hey, they only had a five-star, two four-stars, a three-star, but their top recruits coming back were both centers and power forwards, and when you look at what they recruited, they got the number eight player in the nation, a power forward, number 71 in the nation, a power forward, and number 398, a center. I'm not sure how many power forwards and centers you can play on the court at one time.
0: All you need is a point guard to handle the ball, and then you can have all the forwards and centers you want.
1: Yeah, just, instead of playing uh, post-centric, you're just going to play under-bassic-centric.
0: Well, they could do – instead of five out, they could do five in and, and play you know, four power forwards in a center.
1: Yeah, who did not want to do that?
0: Yeah, they, they could go that route. Um, but I
1: think NC State's uh, club, I think, will be really up and coming this year, landing two five-star talent guys. I mean, for a team that won 18 games last year, I believe – that's hitting way above your belt level. You
0: know, if I'm just to touch on wake for a second, if, if I'm Wake, I'm more worried about the talent I have coming back than I am about the class and how redundant it is because you could, you could potentially play Benoit at the small forward position. Presumably that's what they would do. Even though they have one of those fluky, like I'm a middling college basketball player, but I'm a mega stud JBL prospect. Uh, in uh, Ryan Perkins, who as a sophomore ranks as an exactly average uh, CJBL player, but allegedly JBL scouts are drooling over him. I'm guessing that his ratings were done by his AAU coach. Um, So Ben Law probably would take over as the three.
1: Well, or do you do this if you're awake? All your talents are pretty much seniors this year. Do you just play the young guys and pray for the best? I don't know that it's all
0: the same position. I mean, they, well, they don't have a point guard, really. They have
1: – Your top four stars coming back are Scott, center, Rolls-Tyson, center, Clark, power forward. And your number one recruit is a power forward center.
0: Am I? No, their their number one recruit or was he Benoit, a Benoit is a combo
1: wing. He's a four. He's not a, he's not a three.
0: I think they might force it. I I really think they may try. Um looking at Benoit, I don't I don't know if I actually even have his scouting report.
1: Um, uh, let's just put it this way. I had offered him, he was playing the four.
0: I don't have his scouting report. Although, do you really so so here's the thing he averaged that his okay so he's 6'10 as a combo wing his stats his senior year he averaged nearly 32 points a game he averaged over 9 assists per game and he averaged 5.5 rebounds per game so he's 6'10 with a 7-1 wingspan he also only averaged a block a half a block per game but I does he have playmaking ability like and and just sucks at rebounds. It, it, I don't understand.
1: Oh, don't get me wrong. He was a unicorn in the draft class. He's the one whose stats didn't line up with the position.
0: Okay, so he still could. I mean, if you be if you make him your primary playmaker, I mean, then you could you could play him there. But so Robbins will probably start at the two. Um, I mean, they're gonna have to do some shifting around for sure. But I could I could see it where Benoit ends up playing some time at the three. Yeah, maybe maybe twelve minutes a game there. Because if you're gonna play him thirty-four minutes a game or you know, thirty-two minutes a game, well you're gonna have to move him to another position to get your other power forward some time.
1: What did you shoot from the three? That's oh, gonna be your definition. Benoit? Yeah.
0: Hold on, let me get I I didn't have his stats up. Hold on. Um,
1: from and, what I remember, he could not shoot from the outside.
0: He shot 27 percent on nearly seven threes a game. Exactly, but, he's a four. okay. Okay, well, you don't exactly need him to shoot threes to play the play small forward, especially if he's a primary playmaker. So if you're running, if you're running like a, a post centric or a grit and grind, and you have him as the primary playmaker, you know you don't. It, and that's if he has that talent. Again, I don't have a scouting report on him. But you don't need him to be jacking up threes. You know, you, you can position him close to the rim. I mean, granted, that wasn't too great either. If you're 6'10 at high school and shooting, you know, 52% from two, that that's a problem. Um but if he can pass, then then that's one issue alleviated for Wake Force, and that they would have somebody on their team who could actually pass.
1: All right. If you got, if you're going to roll with a six ten point forward in this class, then your point guard, forward, whatever you want to call them, slash, you're in trouble.
0: Yes, but I'm just giving options. That's all I'm about.
1: And by it. the way, this is probably more coverage that Wake Forest has had in the combined nine years of the previous CJBL.
0: Probably. I mean, this is what we do on the podcast. We we talk about Wake Forest. Um sometimes unintentionally well okay all the time unintentionally like we we really didn't mean to bring them up we apologize too. did we lose listenership talking about wake right there
1: i think people had to figure out what state wake force was in
0: that could have i that that could have been the bathroom break for some people hey let's talk about north carolina let's manage those expectations
1: so um to be honest second or third best team i don't like him as the acc favorite
0: Okay, so what do you like about their class? What don't you like? I mean, we, we can talk North Carolina for a long time, so manage those expectations for, for bed.
1: Well, once again, it's a little those where I pick you when you look at it. Well, they get three of the top 68 or something like that. I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Yeah, 64. So when you get three of the top 64 players, including a guy from Zetnet Russia, I mean, who doesn't love that? Everybody wants a big Russian in the middle.
0: I okay. That that's. Are we trying to be RKG? Please don't. No,
1: if I was trying to be RKG, I'd do some really shitty Stephen A. Smith impression.
0: Well, yeah, but then just with all the weird sex jokes that just make it awkward.
1: Yeah, no, there's no vasectomy jokes here. We're all good to go. Okay. But still, North Carolina—they're returning plenty of four and a half star talent. You add in a couple four or five star guys. I just think it's they're they're probably not going to be Duke. Probably not. But um, I think it'll be a dogfight between them and NC State trying to take second place in the ACC this year. I mean, I think they too. could. Have, I think they could have a shot.
0: Um,
1: well, but- and Bed also said, and once again, we don't know this. Bed probably overscheduled his non-conference schedule this year." Which I wish we had that information at our fingertips right
0: now. He's touting watching. that to anybody who, who will listen.
1: Look, that's called managing expectations. Look, well, it's like saying you don't want to have a guy transfer into your school or something like that and then complain about your recruiting class. Everybody if, does it.
0: If you talk to Bed, it sounds like he is bestowing, with his gratitude, the ACC title to Duke, and, which is nonsense. Um, they do have Miles Bush coming back, who, who is a proven scorer in the ACC. Um, he's going to be one of the better players returning in the ACC. Um, you know, they have... Who else they got? Uh, well, okay, they, they have Miles Bush. Um, no, they, they have... They could have some players who are coming back who, who scored. I wish you could pull this point, up. With, point, point guard yeah, was yeah,
1: probably their biggest need this year. Yeah, they got Swan
0: and his wildly inefficient, strange ways. I mean, he's got to be better at some point, you would think. Um, so, I, I think the class, um, you know, especially Hargrove, uh, complements the program very well. Uh, Jemichael Hopkins, Jemichael Hopkins didn't wow me as as a prospect. Um, he seems very underwhelming as somebody you would think is the forty fifth rank recruit in the nation.
1: Well, but he's also dumb as a rock with his 2.0 GPA. So, Well, okay.
0: And I mean, let's be honest, if you
1: want to have a school to where you can take classes for dum-dums, it's got to be North Carolina. Everybody knows this historically.
0: And, and truth be told, you don't know the quality of an of a, uh, a Kansas education. So that 2.0 could be like a 4.0 somewhere nearby in Kansas. You True. know. True. Um, what I don't like about about Hopkins' game, he's not a consistent outside shooter. He's not a mid-range guy in the slightest. Um, he's he's somebody who needs the ball to, to go and, and create. He, he's very good at, at creating for himself.
1: Well, and you also have to look at Hopkins. He's a shooting guard who shoots 10 three-throws a game at 82%. Okay,
0: well, but if you're looking at ACC defenses um, – If you're running a pick and roll with, say, a a seven-foot center, um, he can't do the pick and roll, and he can't shoot off the dribble. So you basically have a guy who, yeah, he can get to the rim, but if you play a couple feet off him and dare him to shoot off the dribble, can't do it, that's a problem. He lacks offensive awareness. That's a problem for a guard who is offensively oriented. He's very quick, but if defenses play off him, he you you can limit his effectiveness at the next level. Um, again, he's not really gonna have to do it because they have Bush for at least for this year. So he's got some room to to, to, to grow, but it's just I he didn't overwhelm me. Um Hargrove, is interesting. And and this is I – mean, just to talk about the point guards for, for a minute. Um, at the top, you, you really could have had any of these guys ranked number one, and I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. I mean, you look at Hargrove, um, you know, the, the key ratings for him, he is top flight in everything except perimeter defense. Um if he were the top point guard in the class, I don't think anybody would have said no to that.
1: Nope. And to be honest, that was the biggest need. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's somebody, he's somebody that jet weathers is a great test case for, um, as to whether or not somebody with Hardgrove's build can survive at the JBL level because, you know, he's, He's 6'2 with a 6'5 wingspan, which I if I remember correctly, Jet might have a no, I think they're the same build. I think they're exactly the same build. Um, uh, Hargrove hardgrove is more athletic, I think. I'm not sure how they convert to uh, JBL style, but he but but hardgrove also rates as probably a better shooter overall than Jet. Um, and they're comparable playmakers. Um Jet may prove to be better at defense. I'm not exactly sure. The Hargrove ranks is, as top flight in, in stealing. So, Weathers may be a, a very good test case. And if he succeeds, then I think teams could look at Hargrove and, and his stock could rise out of something not entirely in his control um, or could torpedo uh, something out of his control. I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about Hargroves as a pro prospect?
1: Um let me check, see if I I don't oh, I may have scouted him because I was looking for point guards. I
0: mean he okay, so he He's a
1: three and D guard. His playmaking abilities and his outside shooting are all A pluses.
0: He doesn't so, have if you want if you look at the superficial star rating, um he doesn't have the ceiling that, that Weathers has. But if you look at and and I know you're you're speaking of this, if you look at the individual ratings, like he looks the goods.
1: He is a 3-and-D guard that I think a lot of JBL teams will really want at that point guard position. His defense is probably better than most coming into the league.
0: Yeah. And I I think think he – but a 6-2 guard, I mean, he would have to stay at the point.
1: Okay, so the Vipers won't draft him. But besides that.
0: I, I can think of probably six teams off the top of my head that would draft him and not blink an eye. Um, but it just it, it's really a matter of, of how size seems to matter in the JBL. Not seems it does. It, it matters. Everybody wants to have big players their position. They want long spans. Um, they want length in in the JBL, and he is at the very bottom. Of what could be considered a, a draftable player.
1: Well, and I mean, look, even if you look at his high school numbers—ten assists and four steals a game—what team's not going to want that on their college roster?
0: Oh, exactly. No, I, I think in, in college where you're going to see the, these players who who are more the size at the position. I mean, that that's obviously. You know, again, he could have been number one overall and nobody would have said anything.
1: I mean, minus Pickford, I'm not sure of a point guard who's better than him in the ACC right now.
0: Yeah, I, I could. I mean, it, and that, I think how he translates matters. Um, it'll be interesting to see that. Um, Speaking
1: on the so bat at the ACC, just to move on a little, you've got to feel bad for Virginia Tech and Boston College. Two 20-plus win teams last year haven't scored a single recruit.
0: Um. Really? See, I didn't. I did not pick up on that. Um, they,
1: they are, they were too middle of the pack ACC. I mean, we they hotly, hotly debated them on our seating last year. They are yeah. in trouble.
0: They are shut out along with Florida State and Miami, which I mean, that's not surprising. But, but I mean, and and really, if you look at from Virginia Tech on down. I mean,
1: well, if you even include Wake and Virginia, it's yeah. going to be interesting who finishes fifth in this conference. You
0: know, Syracuse got, got two recruits. How many do they need? Like, this is the one thing that I, I know neither one of us has is how many players they already had on their roster. So, well, Syracuse, they, had,
1: they had seven returning who are three stars or better. So that gives you nine. They have
0: twelve on the roster, so they're they're all right. They're all right. Um. All right. So, one one team to talk about before we move on from, from the ACC, I guess, is is Clemson's roster, where they got one four star and four three star for a team that won twenty seven games a year ago. Um, what did they have returning? Um, were they already in over their heads last year? Like in in terms of their um, uh, of their production like a, as a team?
1: Um, off memory of Clemson, they seem to win every close game last year. The question about Clemson I had this year is their three best players probably returning on the roster all play the center position in Connery, Brown, and Brohor. And then even the three-star recruits, we're not talking upper left three-star recruits. We're talking 151, 221, 224, and 400. We're still going to be wrong. Three-star recruits can still blossom. But I think Clemson is in for a comeback to the pack meeting this year.
0: So Clemson, um, their season last year was their first 20-win season since 2022 and only their second 21 season ever. They did go 19-14. and 14. 2026, 20, but they're but they're two years removed from consecutive, decidedly losing seasons um, 12 win and 10 win. Um,
1: so. Well, the biggest need this year was the four, and they got a tweener small forward power forward and a tweener center power forward. One of them is going to step into that four position if this team's going to have any chance this year.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be Welch. Um,
1: I mean, he's uh, the better talent, but.
0: Yeah, Kandai Welch, who is the combo, a 6'8 combo forward uh, out of West Virginia. I, I would imagine that it's going to be him. Um, I could see it being, I, I mean, I could see Prince doing it and Welch playing at the three, but then Clemson. I could see that because they they don't have a whole lot of talent at the three. So I could see Welch and um Artest. Uh Walt Artest who's another one of those like middling um oh he's a Philly guy from New Migrati. Um yeah, you know, he's one of those middling college super stud guys. Um who I, I I gotta figure out why that is. Like that that's an interesting phenomenon of the Guys who are three-star in college ability, but you know, JBL scouts think they might be all-star level. That that's a very interesting thing to me. Um, that'll be a conversation for another time. But I, I could see um, our test being uh, a, you know the backup at the at the at the three, and then possibly uh, Welch playing both the three and the four. You know, as the backup. So I could that that's one thing I could see. If you can manage those minutes right, then you're you know, between Welch and Prince you you have solid cover at the four. I don't know if it means they're gonna contend in the ACC. I, I would tend to believe they're not going to. I think they'll probably slide to the middle of the pack this year.
1: I mean they could be they could finish fourth or fifth, which that's gonna pull you in the tournament being in the ACC.
0: It could. I mean I I mean if you if you look at how talented the, the Big Ten is and the Big East, and the SEC, and the, and the influx, and we need to talk about the, the SEC. Um, if you look at that talent, I'm wondering if the ACC can get five in this year. That I think they I think they might have difficulty um, being able to get five teams in, and if you're a team like Clemson, um, you might not look at a fifth or sixth place finish as a guaranteed tournament appearances here.
1: Well, well, if we go off just recruiting rank numbers, um, total overall cleansing it up 28th in talent. Now, once again, a stack talent at positions, which can make a big difference, but I don't think it's enough to make you drop from a 28th ranking down to a 60. But it's all
0: dependent on how they perform.
1: Oh, no, no. There's, there's still questions.
0: So, yeah, and I don't know that they have answers. So that, that's – I mean, it, it will be interesting to see. Um, I guess we kind of have to speed this up. I don't know because I guess there's another podcast on after us and they might start pushing us for the room.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'll message him. I don't know. Whatever
0: it is. Why
1: don't you go ahead and uh, start on the SEC and I'll ask if they're doing tonight. Yeah, they
0: are. They are. They're just – they're doing it I don't know when. Um, whenever. Some, sometime. So let's start with the SEC. Um, the, the rankings for the SEC, we have um, – Florida, Florida is the class. Oh, that's for returning players. So Florida Florida with their three, four-star. Kentucky got two five-star. Arkansas got a five-star and a three-star. Oh, what are they doing trying to get a three-star? You know, shopping in the bargain bin.
1: Yep, had to. Um, Evidently, you need point guards
0: a got two three-stars, and that, that's going to be one thing to talk about. And then LSU's class, I um, want to start with LSU's class, um, which we, we had touched on a little bit before. But they got one five-star, one four-star, three three-star. Um, can you talk about LSU's class while I while I pull them up?
1: Uh, I wasn't ready for LSU. I was going to talk about Florida, but sure. Um... Okay, talk about
0: Florida, and then we'll go to LSU because I –
1: Florida is easily returning the most talent. When you look at their recruits, they have 10 four-star higher players on a team that won 25 games last year and was the darling coming down the stretch to where a lot of people, if you pick them in the tournament, they were the ones who had your highest in the brackets that we had last year. They clearly have more talent, I believe, than Kentucky and Arkansas. Texas A&M – with a wiffle ball bat, missed big on recruiting this year. Um, other yeah, ones who,
0: recruit after having Dekembe Dallas for seven years.
1: He was only there for three. He just he was forty-seven years old when he graduated.
0: Yeah, so he, he was on the super grad program.
1: But when you look at Florida, not only counting the talent they had coming back, they had three four and a half star talent guys one at the center two of both guards which i think is going to be a huge advantage in the sec having that talent at the guard position and more and reeves um they got a four star at the small forward and a four star at the power forward so they literally without any recruits coming back this year all five starters were four four or and a half starters florida
0: I mean, in Florida, they do have uh, Pablo Moore and Octavius Moore. Both of them were considered um, easily draftable players at the, uh, at the next level.
1: And then you've got uh, Francois was their top recruit. He can play the three or the two position. Um, Scanlon is a power forward. So they had a lot of talent in the middle this year coming back with another shooting guard small forward. Just across, it's it's a freaking perfectly built team right now.
0: Yeah, they are a very veteran team with uh, you know all their juniors and, and seniors, and then you talk about the recruits and um, uh, David Francois, forty fourth in the nation, Marquis Scanlon, ninety first in the nation, and then uh, Jacoby uh, Casimir was a combo wing. So they got two combo combo wings. Um and and the four which they needed the four um they needed scanlon um be honest with you, they, they also needed everything they got they needed because they they only have one small forward on the roster they got two but they but they're secondary positions for them both so francois is going to start from day one most likely um, he's got some good size to him at six mm-hmm. five. It's a little small for a, for a small forward, but um, he he is the sixth ranked player at his position. Um, Scanlan ranks twentieth as the uh, as a power forward. Um, that's I guess that's the one thing about this class is that they they might be a little undersized. For, for the various positions, but it's really not a not a big issue. I mean, talent trump size, uh, especially in college. So, I I think they are well positioned, especially in an SEC that is rapidly changing uh, in in its face. Um, so let's talk about LSU
1: now. Um, LSU is a, LSU is a strange case to me. So most of their talent, the top three players on the roster, Trotman, Quinn, and Horton, all play the center position. Their next two best players, who are three-star talent, both play the point guard position in Seals and Marshall. So they go out, and their recruits, their top two recruits, both play the shooting guard position. So they're going to be really weak at the four and the three this year.
0: Yeah, so so to sum up on their class, they got eighteenth rank recruit, um, who's uh, Scott Ramage, or Ramage Don't say
1: R- don't say Rampage because we keep calling him Rampage, but yeah,
0: Ramaj, uh, Ramage um, who is six three shooting guard, both their shooting guards are six three. Uh, they've got George Battle, forty first in the nation. They're the fifth and ninth rank recruits um, at their position, respectively, and then power forward, Mo Reed. Mohamed Reed out of Jackson Academy, Jackson, Mississippi, 6'11 power forward. Uh, he is 226 in the class. Then they got combo wing uh, Matt DeMond uh, out of Arkansas. He's got some good size to him at 6'8. Um, also, uh, Omar Tamara, who is 489th um, out of Louisiana. He is another one who has some decent size to him.
1: Well, DeMond's uh, probably going to have to slide over to the three because there's if you got two guys recruited above him in shooting guard, he's not. Oh going yeah, any mo- type of
0: most two. definitely. I mean, DeMond, you know, and they don't have um, they got one small forward on the roster, Malcolm Taylor, six eleven. Um, they don't have a single shooting guard, so getting getting three of them in this in this class, I mean, one who probably won't see any time there. That that's pretty important, but. Um, and yeah. the
1: centers can probably slide over to the four. Either put Quinn or Horton at the four. And let Troutman play the five is probably going to be the option. But it, it's a weirdly balanced team right now.
0: So do you think that with this recruiting class, um, has LSU improved their standing in the SEC? Have they stayed the course? Are they still going to be you know, a team, a team that sits around – eighteen to twenty wins and has a five hundred record in conference. Like how, how do you think If, they've...
1: if if they finish ninth this year in the SEC, there are problems. They easily have the talent to finish fourth or fifth. With a lot of teams in the SEC not having great recruiting classes this year. Okay. I mean there's four teams who didn't land a single recruit in Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Vanderbilt. South Carolina landed at a three star. Auburn only got a four star. So that's six teams in your conference who had one recruit or less. I know I said I know I said the Mountain West was disappointing, but the SEC was disappointing too at recruiting this year. But at the same time, all the top teams had a full roster also. Well, and I
0: mean, they were disappointed with an asterisk because if you go back to just a couple of days ago with the declaration pod, um, they were a big winner because they landed collectively.
1: Five of eight, I believe. They landed,
0: they landed five stars. Um, they really faltered is they only got seven four stars as a conference. So that, that's that's an issue. Um. Once Thomas. again,
1: but to look at it this way, and this just off knowledge, Arkansas only had two scholarships. Kentucky only had two scholarships. A&M um, only had
0: two scholarships.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of teams just didn't have the chance to go out there and grab any talent or went all five-star and just said, screw it, we're going to go up to the piles left over. Is
0: there a bigger loser in this recruiting class, in this recruiting session than Texas
1: A&M? No, uh, they—they missed about the this. They—they
0: they really class. screwed the pooch on this one.
1: Out of all the teams who, quote unquote, one or two in the conference last year, have the big ones. They're the ones who walk away disappointed the most.
0: Oh yeah. Um, to sum up their class, uh, they got two three-star recruits, led by the 226th. Ranked Evan Tyson, a combo forward uh, out of Chicago, and then 243rd ranked shooting guard, uh, Tyler Venegas, who uh, he was the 52nd ranked shooting guard. Tyson, the 39th ranked uh, power forward, combo wing, whatever you want to call him. They should have done better. They, they, well,
1: but they, they, they also put all their chips on Benoit, the number eight recruit in the nation. When they didn't get him, that's when they went into panic mode.
0: Okay. Then that, I mean, that's fair. And this is a team that if, if you're going to look at a team, the slide uh, from last year, this is the team. Um, they have two small forwards and a center as their top returning players. And then after that, you, the, the drop-up is heavy with this team.
1: Uh, discussing with Lex behind the scenes if he finishes knife he should feel happy.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate cuz A&M was one of the best stories of of last year. And and now um you know maybe it's the the curse of Homer he, you know takes them over and all and all of a sudden they're just they just shoot themselves in the foot.
1: They got gigged.
0: Yeah, they're they're going to fall apart. All right. Um is there anybody else in the SEC you wish to discuss before we move to the Big Ten or Big East?
1: Nope, I think it's a pretty standard. Florida's going to win. Arkansas-Kentucky can fight each other for second and third. LSU will fall behind. Alabama returns a lot of talent this year. They'll probably slide in the fifth position. And then from there on out, it's a crapshoot. Probably Missouri in the field. Okay. Um,
0: all right, we'll talk uh, Big East and then – Big 12, and then I, I think that would do it unless we have anybody else that you wish to discuss.
1: I'm pretty sure that's all the major conferences.
0: Okay, so Biggie starts with Villanova's class, which is considered the top-ranked class uh, in the nation. Um, to go over them, I do have notes. They have uh, their top returnees are Shaquille Moss, who's power forward, point guard David Burnett, center Javion Richards, and guard Derek Scott. Um, out of that group, um, Moss played. He started twenty four games a year ago. Richard started ten. Uh, Burnett did nothing of note. Played in six games, and Scott was not on the roster. So he is a um, he was a transfer. Um, so the recruiting class, the recruiting class. Um, led by five star and yeah Scott was a transfer from Michigan State from Michigan State. So Ray Bishop, uh, five star, number twenty four in the nation. Uh, he is their their top recruit. And then they have uh, power forward Trey Faulkner, who is a thirty fourth ranked recruit in the nation. Um, and and just go back on Bishop. He's a combo wing. Combo forward, so he could play. There were probably going to be a three at this level, especially considering um, they don't have one of note. Um, they do have was it? Uh, no, they, they, they had
1: Motley, didn't they?
0: Yeah, the and, um, yeah, but I wouldn't expect uh, Bishop to sit over over Motley.
1: Oh, no, uh, no. The bigger question for their team is going to be who's playing the two, I think, this year.
0: Oh, most definitely. So um, Marquise Briley. Uh, from Boca Raton. He is uh, a nice uh, 64 years old, very young for, for uh, somebody from Boca Raton. Uh, he is in a 6th rank recruit. Jawan Rigby, who's a combo post, 103rd rank recruit. Um, Max Burrow, uh, who is 112th ranked overall, 6'6 point guard. And then Javon Lockie, who is a 6 foot point guard, 134 fourth recruit overall they are the 17th and 18th point guards in the class respectively um i would think and these are these are the notes that i have um they have issues at shooting guard they do have Derek scott who's going to get the bulk of the minutes i would guess they also have Stephen gordon who's another one of those um guys who who projects well at the next level but not the current one um they're the players that spot lackey um might and, and I, I want to go back into this as to why, but I said that Lackey might have the edge on Burrow uh at the point guard spot, and I don't remember why I said that. Um I'm thinking it's it's defense related. Um Lackey just might look like the better overall player at the moment. Um yeah, I think that's what it is. I think it's close, but um Lackey looks like the more complete player. Burrow is actually the better defensive player overall With when you put in awareness, but it, it's going to be an interesting battle between those two and non-conference play to see who, who gains the minutes. Um, both have the edge on Burnett, and then Briley may have the inside track to earn the most playing time um, because they are they're... they're established inside still um, with Moss at the four. Um, Bishop, I I don't know what you're going to do with Bishop just yet. Maybe he becomes a three and Riley's the backup. I'm not not sure. Um, So what do you think about Villanova's recruiting class overall?
1: Well, I mean, they had to do what they had to do. They lost, what, nine players from last year's squad or something like that. I think they only had six returning players. They weren't going to burn all nine scholarships this year. So when you can get six guys who are top one thirty-four, it's basically just trying to find a bench at some point. And they successfully did that to where they still may have the most talent in the conference.
0: Um yeah, I mean they, they may be the most talented. I think it's gonna be them in Yukon, um, when when it comes down to it. Um I think the shooting guard issues may I mean granted UConn's gonna kind of have shooting issues or shooting guard issues too. So it, it's Villanova's got to replace so much that it's a wonder if you can assimilate these guys um, on the fly and, and make them a, a viable product.
1: So you're um, saying under 32 wins this year? Probably. Or over probably. two losses? If, I think the, if, conference is, the conference is deeper this year. I think when you look at the Georgetown's and the Marquette's a little deeper.
0: Yeah. And Georgetown is definitely a team to talk about. Um, I, I think they're probably more a team to talk about with the season preview issue or the not issue the preview season or the preview season, the season preview, um, episode that we'll do whenever we do that, if that's in a week or whatever. And when we do our sweet 16 draft, Georgetown's definitely a team to talk about. We can talk about the recruiting class briefly because, um, I think they did pretty well on, on recruiting this year. Um,
1: they scored uh, the number 20 recruit, Isaiah Casper, because we couldn't figure out how to say his first name. Um, he plays the power forward center. Brought in Jordan Jacobson, who was the number 46 recruit, shooting guard, and small forward. So right there off the bat, they scored two of the top 46 recruits in the nation. Yeah,
0: and Georgetown is a team. They finished fourth in the Big East a year ago uh twenty four and ten they they probably have the most returning talent in the conference a lot of bigs they have they have more talent coming back than than villanova by far um, like they, they and I haven't pulled up their class fully yet, but they are um, you're getting two in the top forty four when you're finishing mid table big east um, well,
1: their biggest need in my opinion was shooting guard. And they got Jacobson, who was the number 11 guard in the nation. So you have to feel good about your spot right there.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, they, they really – they had Dozier, who – did Dozier do anything last year? He didn't play a single minute.
1: Well, no, because you got Freeman ahead of him at the point guard shooting guard position with uh, Keon was also a point guard. So I'm not even sure if he got any minutes last year in Dozier. He, got,
0: he didn't get a single one. Um. You know, and then they had David Black starting at at the at the two last year. He, he wasn't really any good, but
1: well, but the team was also fed for Luke Steen last year, who got drafted by the Jaguars at 19.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that is true. So, looking at it, I mean, they are ext- They have if if you're looking at just straight talent, they have the the best wings coming back the best the best forward combo really the the best front court return. yeah yeah
1: they they returned easily the best bench slash starters in the entire conference they might
0: have they might have the best returning front court in the nation i mean i i have to say that without the knowledge of every front court returning in the nation but i don't know that anybody can can boast the the, the talent of just the 3 you know of Cunningham, Groshek, and Jenkins. I mean that—that's a really.
1: I mean, yeah, you'd have to look at something like Dawkins, McGill, and Boykins, or something like that.
0: Nah, I mean, nah, I'm, no, I, I I'm just, I I'm just, mean, I'm just poking fun. I'm, at, I'm just I mean, poking you're talking fun. about like Daniels or something, maybe. Um, but I, I think Georgetown is, is as good as anybody in in this conference, and and. There, If you want to go on that, that um, influential class scale, this is as influential a class as you can get.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be a Sweet 16 this year.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Just a matter of which one of us gets to draft them. So, um, looking more Big Ten, I guess... Um, who Marquette,
1: Marquette and UConn are the two to talk about Don't wrong, St. John's had a very nice class Considering they were ranked 329 in the nation last year To get four Four-star, three-star recruits Probably more talent than they had on their entire roster last year Probably I mean, look They're going to win more than five games this year
0: yeah, they'll probably win seven or eight, but it's a start. And and Carlos deserves a lot of credit for coming in essentially like right at the beginning, um, and actually a little after the beginning of recruiting, and pulling this class together on the fly while learning everything.
1: Well, I mean it's a higher recruiting class than Marquette had this year. Marquette, we're looking at being a top four team in the conference. You got to get a building blocks somewhere.
0: Yeah. So let let's we can we'll talk about let's talk about St. John's now. Just to – um give them a little a little bit of love here. As soon as I can pull them up. Um just a matter of whether or not St. John's is
1: I wouldn't even look at their current roster. Let's just look at what they brought in. They brought yeah. in Wessendorf, who was ranked forty-third overall in the nation, yeah. center power forward, six nine. Not really sure which one he gets to end up playing.
0: But just, just getting somebody who – 13th-ranked player at his position, what, what they did last year, is amazing.
1: Yeah, for a five-win team, that's, that guy right now, he's your main man. And even George David, because who doesn't like two first names? He's ranked 32nd in the nation in his position. That guy's automatically a starter.
0: I am really curious as to when D.C. annexed Hagerstown, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Uh, eh, you know, it's close. Maryland, D.C., same thing. I,
0: I mean, in the current political climate, that's possible. I That's not out of the realm of possibility is that that could have happened.
1: Anyway. That's all right. They got him in the mid-Atlantic, so at least it's in the right region.
0: Yes. Um, George David, who is 133rd overall um, out of um, Houston. Uh, he is a 6'6 shooting guard. Mike Doolin, 314th ranked overall center. Uh, Once again,
1: going out on a limb, he's a starter. 7-1.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, he's going to start. He's going to start. And then uh, who's the other one? 475th ranked Australian uh, Kyle Jenkinson.
1: There's an Aussie? Get the the hell out of here.
0: Yeah, it's uh, very surprising to me that, that one of those showed up in this class. Um,
1: well, but still, and if you look at their talent they returned, it was all small forwards. So the only thing this team may be lacking is a point guard.
0: Yeah. And they didn't, I mean, they don't have one in this class, but that's. Well,
1: a, but you, you replaced an entire roster. Look, five wins means you were shit. I
0: mean, they have Lewis Raby, who, who is of uh, some considerable talent. Um, I and mean, they have three point guards on the roster, just none of them are any good so yeah once again it's
1: building the base for the future and they did everything right this year
0: out of this you probably have two two starters i mean westendorf's going to start probably at the four and um dolan's going to start the five i mean i think that that's probably obvious well they they, got another they got another guy on their team senior luther thomas who's seven foot 274 pounds I mean, they have some size on this team. Uh, Jordan McLeod, seven foot, two hundred sixty-three pounds. Alan Bressard is six-seven, two hundred and fifty-nine pounds. I mean, what do they feed these guys? They're called offensive linemen. Yeah. They, does Saint John's even have a football team? I don't think they even have a football team.
1: Uh, D two or something like that. I think. I don't know. Whatever they call that level. F C B S Q L Y.
0: I think they're all eating uh, uh, Sabri Younger's meals because he's 6'10", 217. I, I think they're all eating his food. They have a kid. They have a kid who is uh, Sal Ojo, who's a 5'9", 212 point guard. They he's call a that chonker. They got a chonker beef. on this team. What are they all eating? Papa John's
1: every night. What the hell is going on here? The gravity in St. John's is closer to the center of the Earth than anywhere else. That's insane. He's he's like a bowling ball. Oh my God!
0: All right, we got to talk about Marquette now. We'll get to UConn. Um, Marquette, they pulled in. Well, look. look, First off, twenty-one win team. They have a lot coming back on their team, especially they got a lot coming back in the in the front court. Um, and at Shooting Guard, where they have uh, Patrick Nugent, who is a uh, rising junior, uh, looks like a four-and-a-half-star player, um, and then uh, Emil Lewis, who is uh, four and a four-and-a-half-star center, and Cam Morrow, who is a combo uh, forward. Um, in terms of their class, they receive two four-stars and one three-star. Do you have their class pulled up?
1: Yeah, power forwards and uh small forward positions. So they got uh Broderick Chadwick who's a power forward slash center, six ten, probably can play both positions in college. Uh scored number one twenty one, small forward, uh John Syfax. And best of luck on pronouncing this name. We're gonna say Drick Holloway at two thirty. D R I C K. Yeah, Drick. Yeah, Make sure you say it slowly. Um power forward. 230, their needs, I think, was a small forward position just in the four. So, they, I mean, they had the positions they needed. Lots of talent returning on this team with eight players being three stars or better.
0: Um, Morrow could play the three as well. Don't know that he will, but he could. Um, in fact, he will. Actually, he will because the top three lineups from last year's team all have him at the three. So the three might not need to be addressed unless he was miscast. And if he's on a 21-win team getting the majority of the minutes, the three, I'm going to guess that he's not.
1: Well, Chadwick's also going to fill in as fourth freshman.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, Morrow probably was miscast because he didn't um, – he only – I mean, if you want to look at like, – Actually – forward needs to be shooting threes. Um, well, no, but last year Chris –
1: Chris Cornish was drafted by the Tritons at 32, so he played power forward last year.
0: Um, okay, yeah. So um,
1: he may have been forced yeah, out of the right. four. Yeah,
0: Corn- Yeah, but Morrow was zero on .2 attempts from three last year.
1: So once again, that is not good.
0: No, he was. Ah. I don't even have. I don't. Where are the totals? Um, there are the totals. Uh, he was 0 for six from three-point land last year, um, which which hurt his overall shooting percentage by seven points because uh, he shot 43.1% overall from the field. So he probably could move inside. Um, I don't have Syfax's scouting report. I'm fairly positive because I really didn't need to look at a whole lot of small forwards this year, so I didn't do that. Um, but SyFax, what did he shoot? Did it did he have any shooting ability from outside? Um Cyfax, his no, no he does not. Uh he shot nineteen point eight percent from beyond. Once again,
1: arm. that's not good.
0: No. Um, but he managed, I mean Syfax, okay, he shot 36% on nearly 19 attempts per game. He averaged 21 points, but very inefficient uh, for a 6'9 forward in high school to be be shooting 36% from the field. Um, He did get to the line nearly 10 times. He only shot 66%. Uh, I'm going to guess that their offense will not rely on the three whatsoever this upcoming season. So, I don't know if that's going to hurt. Them. I would imagine that's probably going to hurt them some. Um, considering, let's see, what did they shoot from three last year, they weren't they really didn't shoot there last year. They were ninth in the conference in threes made per game, they were 10th in the conference in threes attempted per game. So, I'm going to guess that they, they it's not part of their offense. So, that's fine. Um, all uh, right, let's like UConn's class, and then I uh, get to the Big 12 and wrap it up. Uh, UConn's class, which I don't remember. i got to pull it up.
1: Corbin Vance was the number five recruit in the nation last year, point guard out of Memphis. Yeah, so was- they got the number one point guard. They pulled in uh, Darian Fountain, who was a uh, power forward center. And at 109, they pulled in Alex Atia from the shooting – guard spot. And they got some transfer that no one's ever heard of.
0: Um, was that Drick Jockins? It was,
1: it was Dak Jockins or something like that? I'm not really sure. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So, this team is still woefully um, understaffed in the backcourt. And that's going to be a problem. That that's why they won't contend for a national title. Why they would is they can play Vance thirty plus minutes a game. They can play Atia, you know, twenty five minutes a game. They can play Jack probably at two different spots because they have uh, Mikhail Sims, who is a, uh, a top shelf talent already at the small forward position, uh, and they have an extremely underrated front court. You know, Zach Daniels. But might be a breakout player next year uh, in the game in the Purdue game that went double overtime in the sweet 16, he went to the line 20 times. Um, granted he missed eight of them if memory serves. And that's why they lost that game or one reason why they lost that game. But when Daniels plays, he he has been very efficient in that time. So, so you UCon- I mean, they returned some talent, um, but they don't have enough cover in the backcourt to make them a viable contender. Um, well,
1: and this this year will also be interesting for UConn because they actually play in a conference that has more than two teams.
0: Yeah, I, and and I think that's that's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be a bigger challenge because they're probably they're probably the third best team in the conference at this point, behind Villanova and Georgetown. Um, I think they are. Ahead of Marquette, though, how much remains to be seen. Um, I can't speak to Creighton or DePaul. Um, Is I'm
1: Creighton's not, roster full? Because they didn't score a recruit, and that's pretty up. bad for the team who was 23rd in the nation last I'm pulling, year. I'm pulling them up. Um, and DePaul got a big whiff on – that's a 25-23 a win team. Neither of them has a recruit. Yeah,
0: so let me just pull up. Those guys really quick, but but UConn, um, yeah, you know they got and and they they still might get a couple guys for filler, um, like they are looking at a couple two star recruits if if memory serves because I, they ha- they got to get a backup point guard and possibly a backup shooting guard. Um, DePaul has eleven players on it. Uh, Creighton
1: has 12
0: They yeah, got 12. So I mean, Creighton can get by the Paul probably needs a person
1: boy, but Creighton's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seniors, four juniors, no sophomores, no freshmen right now.
0: That's, that's a problem.
1: That could be a problem. That, that, that
0: could be an issue. Um, I don't know that they have anybody at the helm right now. Um, I could actually go on the limb and say that Creighton has more talent than UConn. I don't think that's really going on a limb. Creighton has more talent than UConn right now. Um, at least returning talent. I think when all the rosters get settled, UConn might end up might end up having more talent. But Creighton has a lot of returning, solid returning players. To not and, so much.
1: And a lot of veteran leadership for Creighton. We'll see how much that helps the team this year.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, big Big Twelve, because I know that other people want to get with the talking and the you know funny accents. So, um,
1: all right, let's get to the basics. By that I mean RPG, Texas. of course. Well, no, let's. It's Kansas and Texas. Yeah. Texas has more talent than Kansas does this year. Pressure is going to be on Munz to actually pull that through, even though every year he claims he doesn't have the talent.
0: Do you hear that, Muns? Expectations, buddy. That's right.
1: We're not going with this pussy shit anymore.
0: Exactly. None of that going on.
1: Oklahoma swung for the fences. Missed pretty much on all their five-star recruits. Only brought in one four-star talent this year. Not returning a ton of talent from last year. I could see a situation where Oklahoma and Texas Tech, two top 25 teams, don't even make the tournament this year.
0: Good to see that. They, they, Oklahoma and A&M are considered... A Tech. Probably,
1: yeah, but, uh, probably well, but even see. Tech. Tech was a big team last year, too. Yeah, but if Tech has a...
0: two four-star guys. I mean, how much did Tech have to replace? Like, let me bring them up. They
1: had to replace everything. They only brought back a four-star and a three-star talent guy on the roster.
0: But they had 11 players on the roster, so they were pretty limited in what they could do anyway.
1: Well, but Phil, Phil Dunn was their top player last year, and he graduated... He was a leading scorer.
0: So wait, so... On a
1: team team that didn't score last year at all.
0: So Texas Tech, um, to talk about them, um, they pulled uh, Connor Wright 56 overall power forward out of Maryland, and then number 58 overall, TJ Suggs, small forward, 6'7". With some good size, 6'7", 200. He's the eighth overall small forward in the class. Um... So he's presumably going to replace Dunn, and then Wright, I mean, he'll start from day one because Texas Tech has, I mean, for all the guys that they have, they don't have much talent. Um,
1: you know well, they, look at, let's just look at it this way. Kansas State has five guys who are returning with four-and-a-half-star talent. They're all in the front court. There's no way that Texas Tech can play with them. No. And Kansas State finished what? Like 7-10 last year, some ridiculous number like that? Finished 8-12 in conference.
0: Yeah, they finished 19-14 overall.
1: The Iowa States, the Kansas States, the Oklahoma States are all going to catch Texas Tech and Oklahoma this year. So you're looking at maybe being the 6th and 7th best team in the conference?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah I mean, I think there will be a drop off i just I'm wondering how much
1: well, but when you return two guys who have talent, and I'm just once again talking on star level, you're talking Baylor territory and t c u territory, even o- Oklahoma State brings back seven guys who are three stars or better, and you're bringing back two you it's not a good formula right. I don't yeah. care how many two and a half star guys you have
0: well. Let's, let's circle back to Texas um, just to keep piling on for months with the expectations. So they got the 3-4 star led by Drew Rawlings, uh, who is a combo post, ranked 38th in the nation. Um, point guard, Kareem Clemens, who I, he was somebody who was highly sought after. He's the 8th ranked point guard in the class, number 76 overall. 6'6", 203, very, very good size. And then uh, shooting guard, C.J. Hoag. Um, who is 82nd in the nation, 21st in their class? Um, all three of them are going to play right away.
1: Well, both the guards will start.
0: Rawlings, Rawlings might actually come off the bench, though. I can't see it. I, I can't see him not playing uh, over Josh Borden, um, even though Borden started all. Th- you know, every game for them last year. I, I just, I can't see that. Um, So I think all three of them are going to, are going to come in and, and take over right away.
1: H- Hogan Clemens is starting right off the bat. Yeah, There's think, just yeah. no doubt about it. Well, Rawlings, Rawlings actually has have some competition at the four or five spots. I mean, even if you drop Ward down to the four. He's got
0: a rival. Um, Adam Fingleton for the uh, best point guard in the class from day one.
1: So um, yeah, no expectations for Texas at all this year. Just none. choke it away. None. So easily, easily, we had more talent returning than Kansas, who only had what five or six four-star players better coming back, and really didn't do that great recruiting this year, off memory.
0: Now they got. Um, Two, four-star, one, three-star. Um, I don't have their class up, up up here, but I can pull them up quickly. Um, as uh, we look at Kansas. Kansas uh, got but- C.J.
1: Williamson. I remember that because I had looked at him early on at uh, center power forward. Uh, scored Brandon Tatum. Once again, top 90 guy. Can't complain about that. But both of them play the center position. And yeah. both for 6'10 and under. Uh, Lebig is the point guard they scored. I think a three-star recruit.
0: Yeah, he's okay.
1: Um, well, but I mean, once again, if you look at the roster, Kansas has shooting guard, shooting guard, shooting guard, shooting guard, point guard.
0: Yeah, think, they, they,
1: they need to score more bigs in this class.
0: They have they have one. They have Michael uh, Pay, the combo wing, who who. You know, rising junior who who looks like he could be something. Uh, he did start all forty, all thirty-four games last year. They do have Fingleton at the point. They have Deshaun Mack at, at small forward. So um on the wings they're set and at point guard they're set. Um I'm wondering where is it? Um where they're gonna get their their shooting guard play. I mean, outside of the four they already have, how many? Like, did those guys play last year? I don't know. Martin didn't play at all. Hodge barely played.
1: Well, you got to think they had Kadim Barlow, who got drafted by the Lumberjacks at point guard, and Kellen Bradley, who also went small forward to the Lumberjacks. Yeah. No, Ashton and you Cart- had Jamal Haywood.
0: Yeah, Ashton Carr played, but Haywood played the small forward spot. Where I, I'm going to guess, I, I'm going to guess that. Coupe starts or Mac starts there. I'm gonna guess that's where Mac starts. Well,
1: oh, but Before either way, beat, I mean they have a
0: decent basis for a solid team.
1: Well, but they look, they're not beating Texas unless somebody chokes it away.
0: I, I don't know. I think that actually could be a really good game. I I think that's I think that's,
1: that's not fun. Let's put the pressure on Muns. Um I think Thanks. I think Texas
0: I think Texas has the edge, and the reason why I think they have the edge is because Kansas is thin in the front court. They're, they're yeah, thin- no,
1: it's it's a better balance.
0: Yeah, they have Williamson, Tatum, and Coupe, and that's it for, for Kansas. So they are dreadfully thin um, on the interior, which is where Texas will have the edge. Um, if it becomes a perimeter game, I would favor Kansas. Um, mainly because they have the, you know, Fingleton's returning, Max returning, Hogue is returning, Carr is returning. So if Texas can can blast them inside, they'll, they'll run away with it easily and then run away with the conference easily. Um but if, if Kansas can make that an up and down game that that focuses on the perimeter, then it, it tilts their way. So that, that's kind of how I see it.
1: I mean, you know, it's bad when all the talent from the three, four five position is actually Kansas state, not a Kansas. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, all right, we've we've talked for almost two hours, which is a lot of ish. Today. That
1: is a lot of forty.
0: Yeah, um, which I mean, I guess we knew this was going to be a, a big one. We didn't talk about Gonzaga or, or you know, any of those like, yeah, you know, the the team. Probably,
1: probably to be honest, the next podcast will just be the top teams from the mid-major conferences. Yeah, or the, or the human control compasses, like the Big West has four teams or something like
0: that. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm not high on Gonzaga's class. Um, you know, they're ranked fifth overall. They got Joey Bulls, Joey Bullock, who's a 23rd ranked uh, shooting guard. Um, you know, they got a couple more four stars and a couple three stars, but they they did not address the point guard spot, which they needed to in the worst way. They didn't, they didn't address it. It's going to cost them a national championship or any chance one. Um, And, and so that, that to me is – Gonzaga is not the fifth-ranked class. They're they the fifth-ranked class on paper by stars. They are not the fifth-ranked class in the nation in terms of relativism.
1: Well, know. but they also didn't return a lot of talent either. They'll return I mean, three guys and three stars or higher.
0: Well, but I'm looking at just the recruiting class. Like, they, they did not address the point, and they They're made it.
1: Once again, another team is not winning thirty games this year. Yeah.
0: So. Okay. I, I just got. I, I feel like I'm getting bumped by by the colluders who, you know, are, are saying like, oh, we're going on in five to ten minutes, which is. No, they,
1: they they should go on. Yeah. Let's look, it's eight o'clock on the East Coast. Us left coasters, we have it pretty easy. So.
0: So yeah. So I guess um I guess we'll wrap it up there because why not. Um, Mike, do you have anything else that, that you want to say that you haven't said in the past two hours?
1: Uh, you know what? I may release the quote-unquote file that we've built so far just so everybody can see what's out there and all the information we gather in case you want to read the notes before next week's podcast. Yeah,
0: that, that, may, be, that may be fun um, for, for everybody. It's, it's very informative. I, I think it's pretty cool. You should check it out. Uh, next week might, depending on where things stand, might be the season preview. Um, I really don't know yet. Or we might just start looking at a couple individual conferences and trying to preview them, and go from there, um, leading up to the Sweet Sixteen. I, it just depends on when the season starts for the JBL and everything. So, we, in other words, at least I don't have a plan. Did you have a plan?
1: No plans. Good, no plans. That's how we. Do and it I, here. Can. I can't even tell anybody best of luck recruiting with one three star left. Yeah. So it's 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 garbage time.
0: It is. It, it's garbage time across the nation. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Turn over to the colluders. Uh, For Mike Murray, this is John Comey. Thank you for listening to all of the words that we had to say. Very few about Duke. Have a wonderful evening.